Daniel chapter 3 today. And if I could give you a little roadmap, um, the study, I gave it a title. No, I don't normally do that. But today's uh, study is going to be on the blessings of suffering for doing what's right. The blessings of suffering for doing what's right. Now, for me, that's kind of a weird title because it doesn't rhyme. And, uh, you know, there's no word, you know, games with it or anything. But every once in a while, you have to sacrifice style for substance, huh? And if I could kind of give you a little roadmap, um, I kind of want to do that. You know, first service was a little bit more, I guess you could say, of an exegetical study. But right here with you guys, second service, because I know like how bad, you know, second service is usually, man. Not as joking. Um, It's going to just be a little bit more from the heart, you know. Uh, The roadmap is that, you know, a lot of times people uh, don't even do what's right. They, they're not even in right relationship with God to begin with. Maybe you don't know the Lord, or maybe you're a Christian, and, uh, you know, you really haven't been living for the Lord. And you know it, man. And you can hide it from everybody else, but you can't hide it from God. And we're not here to judge you. We're here to help you. God has more for you. You know, we just got done with the Winter Olympics, and I just trip out on how, uh, the, you know, nine of us in America won gold. And now if they're doing it for a perishable crown, why aren't you, why aren't we willing to do this for an imperishable crown? How many of you here, when you stand before God one day, and you will stand before God one day, how many want to win the gold? I mean, basically you want to be able to say, I finished the race. Lord Jesus, I did what you wanted me to do. And I did it, Lord, your way. And I did it with motives that were that were the best they could be. And one day when you stand before him, you're rewarded for that. You see, I think a lot of times we just, we're kind of going through the, 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 the life and, and we're not really in it to win it. You know, I, was, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but the country that won the most gold medals is Norway. Did you guys know that? I was kind of surprised by that. But then the Lord showed me they were people from Norway who did it your way. That's kind of what I was thinking, man. <laughs> and, and so all I'm saying is that, you know, maybe you're here today and you're not even doing what's right. You know what, my friend? It's time. It's time. It's time to, to do what's right. Because if not, God's going to give you a trancaso, right? Because he loves you. So what ends up happening is sometimes people go to the fire because they're not doing what's right. God wants to work in you. He'll discipline you. He'll spank you. It's unnecessary suffering that really you brought upon yourself because you're not willing to do what's right. But that's okay. It's still motivated by God's love to bring you where you need to be. So that's one reason that people go to the fire. Another reason that go, people in the church that go to the fire is just because you're a Christian. Just because you're a Christian, you are hated by the devil and you are loved by God. You know, and that's why the Bible says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. You're going through the trial, you're going through the fire just because you're a Christian. Just because you're a Christian. And so, you know, God's going to work in you. And it's, a, it's kind of a, it's an okay thing. It's better than the first one, right? 
You're going through the fire because you're not doing what's right. You're suffering unnecessarily because you're being disobedient. Now you're a Christian. The enemy's after you because he wants to discourage you. But there's a third reason that people go through the fire. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And that's what basically I want to bring us all to this place. That one day, man, one day, I don't know, you know how it works, but one day you will win the gold. You will be rewarded. You will finish the race with integrity and joy. And you will say, Lord, I, by the grace of God, I did what I did. And that is this, that some people are in the fire because they're doing what's right. And that's what we're going to see today with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they're suffering and the blessings of suffering the blessings of suffering for doing what's right. You know, and so it's kind of, it takes a journey to get there. Number one, you have to do what's right. And then number two, you have to be willing to suffer for doing what's right. And basically what the Lord is kind of working in my heart is that, oh man, so many of you guys are hurting. So many of you guys are going through trials. You know, my, my dear sister here, Karen, she you know, her husband went home to be with the Lord in first service. And I don't know everybody, but in first service, I was looking at three wives who not, their husband didn't die. They, he left them. And they're going through that. You know, I think of uh, this week has been an amazing week for me. Monday, as an Almonte police chaplain, I was called out by the police department to minister to a family uh, whose young son, 21 years old, hung himself. Mom found him there. You know, on Tuesday, you know, we get a phone call from a sister who attends the church here. And what happened was her son was with his friend. They were driving in the car. They hit a dip. They lost control. He went straight into the light pole. Immediately, the car was engulfed in flames. We're doing the funeral Thursday and Friday. And then on Wednesday, I get a phone call from a dear brother here whose neighbor down the street you know, the, his wife was suffering from postpartum depression and she, was, she just couldn't shake it and they were trying their best. They couldn't shake it until eventually she took her life in front of her children. And then we did a, a funeral on Friday from a, a, a beautiful woman who was suffering from cancer. Uh, on Saturday, I left, you know, one of my best friends. We, we said goodbye to him. And then uh, to top it all off, you know, uh, we get a phone call from Carlos. And you guys, you know, a lot of you guys, we've been praying for Carlos and uh, his daughter, Nadine, who's fighting leukemia. And you guys got to know how hard that is. You know, they've been fighting this for years and it just seems tough and the pain and the uncertainty that she's experiencing right now and Carlos is experiencing and Christina and the whole family, you know, and then, you know, you guys know their story, right? How... What I think would happen with Carlos is this, that God first used it to bring him to where he needed to be, you know, and then Carlos, you know, because he's a Christian, it, it kind of goes away, but then it comes back again. You're going in the fire again because you're a Christian, because you're loved by God. But then, you know, what, what he does, what Carlos did, what I think the family's doing is the right thing. They're still doing the right thing. And so, again, the fire comes again. Suffering for doing what's right. And then we get the phone call this last week that their youngest daughter had a sugar level of 436. And they diagnosed her with type 1 diabetes. And so now 
going through the fire again. And I, and I just look up to the Lord, you know, and I'm on my knees and I'm wondering, Lord, why are so many of us going through the fire like this? And God says, I have reasons for this. And, I, and so I was, you know, we've been in the book of Acts and I was like, Lord, you know, we got to talk about this. Where in the Bible does it talk about people going through the fire? And of course, we know it's right here, isn't it? In Daniel chapter 3. And so I want to just go through this chapter with you. Now, the first time I taught this chapter in 2014, I focused on the beginning of it. And when I got to the fire, for whatever reason, I didn't really say hardly anything. But this time, I want to do it the other way around. We're going to kind of race through the beginning, hopefully. And then we'll get to the end and we'll kind of focus more on that. If In Daniel chapter 3... Let's read it beginning in verse 1. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, he made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so imagine that, you know, if you would, an, uh, uh, an image of gold 90 feet high. You know, we don't know for sure if it was like a person or, or some type of, I don't know, sphere. But, you know, 90 feet high made of pure gold. Now, we don't know for sure if it was solid gold. It may have been uh, because the Babylonians were known for the gold. They had buildings covered with gold. They, had, they found 40-foot tables, solid gold. They found statues 15 feet high, solid gold. It could have been solid gold. Uh, it would have been worth $32 billion nowadays. So, I mean, it's just this brilliant thing. And no matter whether it was solid or not, it was brilliant. You could see it from wherever you were in Babylon. They set up this image. Now, it's interesting to me, first of all, when it was set up, because in chapter 2, um, Nebuchadnezzar had had that dream that Daniel interpreted. Do you remember the image? It was the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, and then the, the, the mixture there, the feet. And uh, Daniel told him, well, that's just all the successive uh, kingdoms. So now you fast forward 20 years later here in Daniel chapter 3, and it's almost as if Nebuchadnezzar said, no, there's no kingdom going to replace me. I'm the gold and we're going to stay gold. Not only is it interesting to me when, because to me that communicates pride and resistance of God. Number two, it's interesting where it is. It's in the, the plain of Dura. And if you go back to Genesis 11 and verse 1 through 4, it says the whole earth had one language, one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. Same place. Shinar is Babylon. Here's the plain, right? This is going back to the Tower of Babel. And they dwelt there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. I mean, it's almost like Nebuchadnezzar is saying, I'm going to make a name for myself. 
In the Tower of Babel, we're going to make a name for ourselves. We'll see it again in Revelation chapter 13. The Antichrist will do the exact same thing. He'll go into the temple. He'll say that he's God, demand to be worshipped by the people. And what it is, what we find right here, nothing new under the sun. It's the enemy trying to bring the whole world to that place in which they would worship him. See, Nebuchadnezzar, in one sense, is trying to attempt everyone to unite under a one-world government as well as a one-world religion, just as the Antichrist will do when he comes onto the scene. And we see a lot of the framework being formed today in society. And so he gathers all the leaders together. There they are, standing before the image. And notice what we read next in verse 4. It says, Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, that you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a fiery furnace. And so now there's a new law in the land. Uh, No doubt the representatives of the people was for them, and they were to take the word to the people they ministered to, that whenever they heard the song or the sound of the instruments and symphony, they were to fall down and worship the gold image. If not, the consequences are really clear, communicated here, that whoever refused to comply with the command would be immediately cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. You know, the other day we had a birthday party, well, kind of like a little birthday thing for my son. And then, you know, we, uh, he's 22 years old now. And so they put up all the candles. And so we started lighting the candles. And I found out that it's better to light the candles in the middle first, you know, <laughs> than last. And so, you know, you start lighting the candles and you're like, hey, cool. And, you know, and then next thing you know, man, you can't. Why? Because it hurts. The fire. The fire. And I learned two things. Number one, light the candles in the middle first. And and number two, I don't like fire. I kind of found that out in one sense, you know. I mean, here's Nebuchadnezzar saying, I got this gold image here. It's brilliant. It shows my glory, $32 billion worth of gold. You guys know I got the power. All the leaders are there, all the politicians, all the people in power who would represent the people. When you hear the music, I want you all to fall down and worship. And if you don't, I'm going to cast you into this fiery furnace. And so, you know, the thing about Nebuchadnezzar, he was known for this. If you look at at Daniel chapter 5, real quick, look what it says in Daniel chapter 5 in verse 19. It says, And because of the majesty that he gave him, that's speaking of God giving to Nebuchadnezzar. He's speaking of Nebuchadnezzar. All peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. I mean, that was, this is not an empty threat. I mean, this is real stuff. I mean, you're not going to be, you know, sitting, you know, in death row for a period of time, man. I mean, if you don't bow down, we're going we're gonna to make you a crispy critter. As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah 29, 22, it says, And because of them, a curse shall be taken up by all the captivity of Judah who are in Babylon, saying, The Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire. 
So this is not like pretend stuff. This is real. And so he gave the command, and notice, man, how the whole world conforms. In Daniel chapter 3, notice we read next in verse 7. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the, the golden image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And, and what we see here in the book of Daniel, and you guys know this, huh? that Daniel is the key to prophecy. If you know Daniel, you're going to know the way it works in the book of Revelation and really the agenda of the adversary and how at the end God is the one who gets the victory. But we see in the process that a lot of people have to make a lot of choices, right? All the people's nations, languages, essentially what Daniel is saying is that the whole wide world worships the golden image. And it reminds me of First John 5.19 of the sway of today, because it says there in that passage that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You know, and, and if we wanted to, we could stay here, and I think there's a message here for all of us. But, but man, I, I want to touch on it and then get into the actual experience of being in the fire. But before we get there, let's make sure that we don't miss this point here, not just the prophetic point, not, not just the thing about prophecy, but the thing about idolatry. You know, because you might be here today and you say, well, I don't pray to golden images. I don't bow down, you know, before statues. And you might not literally fall to your knees and worship those types of idols. But here's the thing. Anytime we put anyone or anything before God, we are guilty of idolatry. And I have this feeling, man, and I'm not God and I don't know everybody's heart, but I have a feeling that when God scans this planet and looks at all the people, sometimes even the people in the church, he sees them on their knees bowing down before idols. You can put your kids before God and you compromise. That's idolatry. You know, that's why Abraham was tested with that. If you remember, in Genesis chapter two, the first, 22, the first time you find the word love in the Bible, and you know, it's interesting, the Lord says, take now your son, your only son, the one you love, and I want you to go up to Mount Moriah, I want you to sacrifice him. You know, and, and talk about being tested. But Abraham passed the test. How many parents don't pass that test? And they love their kids more than they love God. It might be a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you love more than God. And you're a Christian, you know, but you're, you're kind of, you know, getting lonely, whatever. The clock is ticking. And you got this guy over here and whatever. I don't know. He's got a Camaro or whatever you, car you like. You're like, I don't know. Sometimes I have a muscle car or something. Not only does he have a muscle car, he has muscles. <laughs> and he has money. And you know what? He says he's a Christian and he's got the t-shirt and there's even a bumper sticker there on the Camaro, but there's no fruit in his life. But you, you know, you're like, what? I, Lord, I like him and you know, I'm getting a little older and, and what do you do? You bow down. It's idolatry whenever you put anyone or anything before God. And we talked about this before, man. I mean, it could be, 
you know, family. It could be friends. It could be ambitions. It could be relations. It could be possessions. And what we find in the world today is that this is something so common. You know, a lot of times it's those things that are out there, but I'll be honest with you. Usually the idol is me. That's the way it is, especially for the guys, because we tend to be a little bit more selfish. But you know what? In all reality, I'm the golden image. Move over, Oscar de la Hoya. I'm the golden boy, man. (laughs) That's what ends up happening, right? It's easy for me to worship me, to choose my will over God's. And there I am fighting for my rights, fighting for my right to live and do whatever I need to do to live, to live, to live my life, the life that I want, right? And I fall down and bow down and it becomes my will rather than making a stand to stand out, willing to die to self and take up my cross and follow Christ. And whenever you choose your will over God's will, then you are worshiping yourself. And that's why we have to pray about everything. We have to take it before the Lord. And, you know, things happen in life, man. And you're complaining to everybody and you're crying to everybody and you're kicking against the goads. And this is not the one that one day stands before God and there he is in front of that throne where Jesus Christ is sitting and wins the gold. We have to be willing to suffer for doing what's right. And it begins by doing what's right. And a lot of times, and we all have to check our own heart, and I have areas that I need to grow in as well, we have to start working towards that direction. Lord, help me to do what's right. Doing what's right has a lot to do with making a stand, even though the rest of the world, and sometimes even the church, is bowing down to worldliness. What is Romans 12, verse 2? It says, do not be conformed to this world. And there is a, a pressure to press you into their mold. That's why, thank God, we have... His word, And so all these people, they bow down, but not everyone does. There's three guys that stand out. Look what we read here in verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. And they spoke and said to Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, I don't know why these guys, you know, came forward. I mean, tattletales. I mean, you know, they're, they're always out there, right? You know, some read into the text and they say they were jealous. So they wanted their position, perhaps, but it doesn't really matter. Basically, the point is, is that they point out how these guys stand out. That's what happens, right? They build the king's ego. They tell him, hey, they're not paying attention to you. They defied your majesty, and here's the thing, man, and this is what we're, we're trying to work towards, you know. I don't know about you, 
but I, but I know that this is something that I, I want from my life because where I believe that we're living in the last of the last days, I believe that God has placed us in a community, God has placed us in a society, God has given us families, that we need Him to work miracles. We need God. It, almost like never before, we really need to stop playing church. We really need God to work. And so you got to be all in. You got to be all in. And so, you know, what we find right here is that these guys, they, they stood out. I mean, think about it. Everyone else is bowing down. You got three guys that they're just not. They're standing out, right? And, and this is the way it works. You know, if you're one of those who doesn't bow down to the gods of this world and you worship God and Him alone, you're, 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 you're not guilty of idolatry in any way. God's number one in your life then here's the thing, man. If that's you, then you need to get ready. You need to expect and understand that eventually you will be pointed out, you will be singled out to the highest ranks of our enemy. They will find out about you. You know, and, and some of you here, you're, you're going through it because you love Jesus. Some of you here are going through it because you've been disobedient and God's trying to get you back to where you belong. Some of you here are going through it because you're Christians and, you know, you're being tested. But some of you here are going through it because you've been doing what's right and the enemy sees the way you stand when everyone else falls. And, and, and what ends up happening is the trials and the fires come and it's going to be crazy. I mean, sometimes it's even, you know, you're suffering in your marriage, you know, and they say that first it's the engagement ring, then the wedding ring, then the suffering that happens, you know. You don't even know. You're like, man, I don't get it. Why, why are we having these problems? It's because the devil is coming in and he's trying to divide you. He's trying to tear you up. He's trying to rip you apart. He doesn't want you to be used or be blessed by God in any way. And there's something, and just as a quick side note, I got to tell you guys this, you know, when you read in the Old Testament about how sometimes the Lord would defeat the armies, you don't you trip out on the fact that sometimes what they would do is they would fight themselves, how Israel would defeat her enemies because God would go in and confuse them and they would fight themselves. That's the way the Lord, you know, works against our enemies, but it's also the way that the enemy works against us. There you are, husband and wife. Why are you fighting each other? Get on your knees. Fight the enemy. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, it's just crazy the way that life works. And for us, in looking at these things, we've got to know he's going to come in. He's going to single us out because he wants to take us down. And not to freak you guys out or anything, but the devil will ask for you. You, you, your name. He doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to stand out. He doesn't want you to make a difference. To sift you as wheat and to persecute you. You know, the Bible says that in 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You know, how many of you here want to live godly in Christ Jesus? Just out of curiosity. Not that many. Okay, well, the rest of you go home right now. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, you want to live godly in Christ Jesus? How many of you want to be persecuted? <laughs> See, uh, and this is where it gets tough, man. This is where it's hard. 
You know, I mean, I pray that we would be willing to do what these guys did. Notice what ends up happening when Nebuchadnezzar finds out about them. In Daniel chapter 3, in verse 13, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, he gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up. Now, if you're ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? And, you know... The king obviously was furious. He was curious. I mean, is it true? I mean, is it really true about you? And you can search your own heart. Is it true about you that you don't worship the gods that this world has to offer? The God of sex before or outside of marriage? The God of money that's consuming you and has a stranglehold on you? the God of leisure or pleasure, where life is all about having fun and you don't serve the Lord? I mean, is it, is it true about you? You know, he's curious, right? You don't serve my gods or worship the gold image? I mean, look at how, how beautiful it is. You know, he threatens them again. And there's the temptation there's the manipulation. There's an intimidation. And I think that as life continues to go all along the way, you have choices to make. You know, and some people think, well, no, it just automatically happens, you know, and you, you know. Uh, no, there's an aggressive cooperation that takes place here. And we see it here. These guys stand out like a sore thumb. A lot of people are not like that. You know, what we find at the end of the day is we're going to see, you know, this king, he says, who's going to deliver you from, from my hands Basically, what these guys are going to come back with, and they're going to say, we're not in your hands. We're in God's hands. And that's so important for us to remember. Because notice what we read in verse 16, their response to King Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace... And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And, and I, think about it, you guys, in all honesty. You know, we live in the United States of America. We live in the most prosperous nation in the world. We live in the, the nation of materialism. We live in the country of comfort. How many of us at this point, at this crossroads of life, at this temptation, at this manipulation, at this intimidation, how many of us have bowed down at that point? You know, what we find in, even in the church is a lot of times people are not really willing to make the sacrifices that God is calling them to make and to stand out and to die to self. 
know, some may have told them, hey, come on, just bow down, you know, ain't no thing but a chicken wing, you know, save your life, God will forgive you, man, he does, you know, and, and some people are so presumptuous with God's grace, many people have done this throughout church history, it's not a big deal, you don't really need to hold to all of your integrity, And, and, and I, if I can just say to you at this point, it's there where the sifting is made. It's there where, you know, a Daniel is made or a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is made. It's there that a Demas is made, Paul said, who has forsaken me because he loves this present world. It's there where a Judas is made who wants power and possessions. It's there where you are defined, who you are in the dark, Resisting the voice of the Holy Spirit who says, do you really love me more than anyone or anything else? And we have a choice. You know, these guys right here, they had really good theology. Number one, they knew God's ability you know, notice what they said right there. They, they said, you know, God is able. As they're standing, they're addressing the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't really need to dialogue a whole lot on this. If that's the ultimatum, you know, our God whom we serve, he's able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, you know. I mean, God can heal you. God can, you know, bring your husband and wife back. God can you know, get you the job in, in the twinkling of an eye. You know, God can do all these different things that were hurting, and you know, and, 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 and God is able to do that, right? And so we have to understand the, 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 the ability of God, but, but then we have to trust more in, in the sovereignty of God because notice what he says right here in verse 18. He says, but, but if not... Let it be known to you, O king, and we'll never serve your God. You know, and this may never change for the rest of my life. And I may burn in the fire. My dreams might die. I might die. But I will never bow down to your God. This is where we need to be. And then when you're there, it's then, you know, where I think like a Moses is made or a Paul is made or a Peter is made or a Billy Graham is made or a Chuck Smith is made or, you know, so many of us here, you know, we want to acquire the fire, but we don't desire the fire. We're not really willing to sacrifice. We're not really willing to be completely committed, sold out, absolutely surrendered. And so, you know, right here, the theology is great. You know, Paul the Apostle said, I know you can heal me. I know you can, Lord. I pray and he prayed and he prayed, but then God said, no, I'm not going to take it away. You're going to live with this for the rest of your life. It's not because you're bad. It's because you need it. You need to stay humble and usable and understand that my grace is sufficient, that my will is best. And we're not going to kick against it. We're not going to complain against it. We're not going to cry like a baby, throwing a tantrum. Understanding 
Your life is in his hands. Oh, God's going to deliver me from your hands because I'm not in your hands. I mean, whatever situation that you find yourself in today, do you complain? Do you talk bad about people? Oh, yeah, that, man, Facebook, Twitter. I wish I was a tweet. I don't know how to tweet. No. Later on, Nebuchadnezzar says, the God whom you trusted, he's, he's delivered you. These guys right here, they won't bow down. And so we know what happens, right? In verse 19, it's just crazy. Then Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. And then these men were bound, notice this, in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. But, check it out, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste. I mean, he gets up, he rushes over there to get a closer look and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, look, he answered. And I want to say to this to you, Look, look, look. I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You want that? You want that? Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I want to live godly. And Lord, if that's what's necessary, let the fire come. Let the fire fall. And I'm not morbid and I'm not, you know, weird, but... You know, what we find is that this is what's necessary for us to truly be blessed. And we're going to see basically what what I want to encourage you to do if you find yourself in the fire and you're in the fire right now, you know, whether it's because you've been bad or because you're just a Christian or because you've been doing what's right, what I want you to do is notice what they did. Number one, they walked. They walked freely. The, the clothes that they had been bound in, the, the chains, they were just burned away. They walked. What's a walk? It's your life. It's your life. It's not you going to church on Sunday. It's your, it's your life. You're a godly man now. A godly woman, it's your walk. You know, you walk 
freely. And, you know, when I think of these clothes here that are binding them, you know, their clothes and their turban and their trousers and whatever, you know, for me, it reminds me of how the Lord raised Lazarus in, in the book of John, chapter 11. You remember what he said? Lazarus, come forth. And then it says, release him from the grave clothes. You know what that is? That's me. That's me. It's my uh, machismo. It's my uh, Spanish anger. You know, it's my whatever, my pride. You know, one of the things I've learned about, about, you know, life and about being a pastor is that, you know, you got to bring every thought into captivity. You have to bring every word to obedience. Every decision of your life must be yielded to the will of God and everything you do and are should be right in His sight. A lot of times we play footloose and fancy free. We think, well, I'll do this and not that. I can kind of, you know, let it all hang out. I can shoot from the hip. I can do whatever I want. God says, you can't. You are free. You're free. You're free to do whatever you want, but not if you want to be blessed like this, to where I can walk freely and, and not just walk like God, but if you'll notice right there, who's, who's there? There's not just three, now there's four. Who's there? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And you're like, well, I already know Jesus. I'm a Christian. Yeah, but how well do you know Jesus? Hey, Lord, how you doing? You know, we're all thumbs up, you know. <laughs> how well do you know him? You know, it's one thing, you know, to, to talk and maybe, yeah, God sent me a text message, you know, the other day, and that, that's kind of cool. And, you know, it's one thing to kind of be a disciple, you know, but Peter kind of found out what it was like to walk at a distance, to follow at a distance. It's another thing, you know, to get closer to the Lord and then, and then closer to the Lord. And then what you find is that you will get closest to the Lord, or at least you have the opportunity to get closest to the Lord when you're in the fire, because then you enter into his sufferings, and then you get so close to him, and next thing you know, you're like, wow, I never really noticed the scars that you have on your hand and feet and head. I really never saw that piercing on your side. Yeah, that's what happens when when we get closer and you know, and then, you know, next thing you know, he, he just holds you. He holds you. You get closer to Christ. Paul the Apostle, after 30 years of ministry, being used by him, he said, that's my one desire, that I may know him. I want to know him more. I mean, I'll be honest with you, this morning I would spend some time in prayer, and I tried, and I tried, and next thing you know, you know, you got to get going because you're living it on time. But I, I know I got up off my knees, and to be honest with you, I knew that wasn't really as sweet and deep and intimate as it should be for a man who really wants to enter into the throne room and pray the way I should. I'm telling you this, that in the fire, you can walk freely like God with authority and power and and in the fire you can walk with him 
in fellowship like you've never had before. Just slow down and look and draw near and you'll see. You know, as the Old Testament, the old King James, it, and I don't want to get weird on you, but man, there's a, a word that they used to use. It was intercourse. I mean, that was to know God. There was this relationship with him that is so much deeper then we realize it's not just this course. I'm telling you this, you know, and then Job experienced it. You're like, well, I'm a good guy, man. And as a matter of fact, you know, I, I got it all together. And maybe you do, you know, you got to tell me how you do it. But anyways, we'll talk about that later. But, you know, Job was a man who was right on. He loved God. He feared God. And, you know, and, but God even wanted to take him deeper, huh? And at the end, when he went through all his sufferings that he went through in the fire, he never lost his faith. At the end, he said, you know, I used to kind of, you know, hear about God, but, but now I see him. Now it's different. And as a result of this, three things, and then we'll have communion. What, what happens when you walk like God and walk with God in the fire understanding his ability, but resting more on his sovereignty, then you will be conformed into the image of God. I mean, more like him. How many of you here want to change? You want to grow? Um, Number two, you will experience an intimacy with God that you've never had before. You never had before. Do you realize that this is available to you, that he is available for you. And then number three, after the image of God and the intimacy of, with God, you will be an influence for God like never before. Because you guys know the story, King Nebuchadnezzar, it says in the Hebrew, tripped out, Right? He's just like, wow. And then he makes this decree and it influences. It goes out to the whole wide world about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I don't know if there's anything that I want more in my life. Suffering for doing what's right. Being blessed for suffering for doing what's right. I pray that that would be our heart. You know, Jesus Christ, you know, he's our example. He suffered for us. When he, you know, the pioneer of our faith, died on that cross for our sins. And and I just am so grateful, you know, that it's so simple that all you have to do is believe and receive. You know, maybe you're here today and you've never really made that decision because that's where it starts. Knowing that God loves you, knowing that you need Him, knowing that if you don't trust in Christ, you'll perish. But if you do, you'll have life. You know, if you're here today and you're not a Christian or you haven't given your life to Christ, I pray that today 
today you would, man. Maybe he's knocking on the door of your heart. I pray that today you would let him in. But even for us as Christians, you know, I just pray that we would come to that place in our life, in our walk, where, you know what, I'm, I'm done with idols, man. I mean, it's pretty simple. You know, God, you're first. You're first. No other relation, ambition, possession will come before you, Lord. And as we search our hearts, he'll show us if there's anything there that, that needs to change. I pray that we would know the theology of what we studied today, that um, God is able to change things, right? But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, then um, we will trust him. Are you guys okay with that? Now, here's another thing. and We'll have Angel come up because I want him to sing a song. I had asked him last night and he was so gracious to learn it. It's from, I don't know if it's Mercy Me or Casting Crowns. One of those bands is, it's called Even If. And, and here's the thing. You're like, how many of you here want God to change um, your spouse? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> It was so funny. Yesterday uh, in, our, in our memorial service for Bob, one of the guys came up. He's so grateful to Bob and Karen. He's, he came up. He said, yeah, I'm so grateful for them because they changed my wife. <laughs> and I thought he was going to say change my life, but he said change my wife. And so, <laughs> you know, a lot of times we're like, Lord, change my circumstances or whatever. And, and, and really what's God saying? Change who? Me. Me. But no matter what, and as we have communion today, we're going to pass out the bread and the cup, and we're going to thank him for the cross and his love and his calling in our life. I pray you guys would all know that he is just looking to see who he can use and bless and lavish his love on, his power on, his spirit on today. And I pray that you would be one of the, oh, Lord, just... Here I am, Lord. Just take my life, Lord. And, um, and as you go through the hard times, because I'll be honest with you, I, I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I know, you know, because I go through trials and fire and oppression and things happen in my life. But, you know, maybe next week or next month or next year, you're going to hear, wow, that happened to, to Manny. You know, wow, he got diagnosed with this or whatever. That happened to his kids or his wife or ministry, you name it. You know, those things happen, right? I just pray, though, that it will happen because I've been doing what's right. But in that fire, I got to trust him. And so do you.